Wow, I tell you, I've been in a battle this week, <laughs> and this, this worship was medicinal. Um, when Kimmy texted me earlier this week, and she said, hey, Janie, can you come and give a word of encouragement? I was right in the middle of that battle, and I laughed like Sarah and Abraham laughed, and uh, yeah, like I am thinking in my mind, I don't even have victory here for myself. How can I come and bring a word of encouragement? So I told her I'd get back to her, and next thing I know, I get an email that I'm on the schedule. <laughs> so I went, wow, Lord, I better figure this out. And um, I was having battles at work. My staff were going through things and health issues, and it was just uh, one thing after another. And... Um, my two-minute prayers to God for help and whining and complaining wasn't kick, cutting in. <laughs> so I felt like I needed to dig deeper. And then uh, yesterday, the poppies came out, and God was reminding me that the last global war we had was World War II. And not just the sacrifices that um, the men and women that went out to war and gave their lives for us, but there were sacrifices made at home. People had to surrender. Their, they were sanctioned. They were limited on buying canned goods. I remember my mom saying uh, that she had to save her toothpaste tubes for the efforts of the war. And there's a story of one fellow who, who as a boy, they had a flat tire and, and there was no tires. You couldn't get tires. Rubber was a premium for the war. And so they filled their, their tire full of old shoes and boots so they could get to the grocery store. But he said, even that, we didn't get to travel much because gas was sanctioned and limited for the war effort. So today, I felt like we're in another global war. World War II is against flesh and blood, but this one is against powers and principalities, not one another. We're not in war against the government. We're not in war against our neighbor. We're not in war uh, against our employers or the sanctions that are put on us. But what are our weapons? Just like we sang today. Our weapons are the word of God. Our weapons are praise. We need to raise that hallelujah in the presence of our enemies. Because we remind ourselves too who we are in Christ. So I had to fast I dug into the word. I got out my concordance. I looked up Greek words and Hebrew words. I went to my workplace. I got a thing of oil, and I anointed the doorposts at my workplace, uh, even in the midst of people looking at me kind of strangely. Um, and then I've got these scriptures. And after a lot of effort, a lot of battle, I won my victory yesterday. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read to you the scriptures that God gave to me because um, John 8, 32 says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And if any of you are going through a battle right now, take heart, be courageous, and let's believe the word of the Lord today. I'm going to leave out the references, but if anybody wants these, I'll have them at the reception. So, and, and I always like to personalize the word. So I'm just going to pray these scriptures, and I want you guys to pray along with me. So we do not wrestle. I do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. But he, Jesus, 
disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And we, I am complete in him who is at the head of all principality and power. I do not walk in the flesh. I do not walk according to the flesh and war according to the flesh because the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, mighty in God for pulling down and that pulling down means demolition extinction destruction of strongholds be strong and of good courage do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you he will not forsake you I proclaim the name of the Lord I ascribe greatness to our God he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are just I will fight the good fight I will endure hard as a good soldier. If he is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yet in all these things, we are more, more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that word more means to vanquish beyond, gain a decisive victory, to subdue, conquer, overcome, prevail, get the victory. So Lord, I pray pray right now that you will help us to be a prevailing church. Lord, one who will know how to pray, know how to get the victory, how to press on, how to subdue, how to overcome. And Lord, if anyone is going through struggles right now and are feeling uh, weak in battle-worn, Lord, I pray Isaiah 35, 3 and 4 over them. Lord, strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. And, rec- and the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Hallelujah. 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 We serve a great God. He has given us the tools. So, Lord, I just, I just pray a blessing over this church. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just want to pray for the offering today. Help us to be a giving church. Like in the days of World War II where sacrifices were made, everyone did their part. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to bless one another, bless this church, bless with our gifts, our talents, our prayers, our efforts, Lord, our finances and resources. And I just pray increase over that. And bless each family, Lord God. Pour out your spirit. And Lord, I bless Kimmy today as she comes and delivers the word. I pray that you open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear what you have for us today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Lord, thank you, Lord. You are amazing. We bless you. Amen. And just a a reminder that you can give online. Uh, The church is open as well. And you can come in any time during the week. And... uh, and, uh, We'd be happy to see you. So church, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Janie, for sharing with us and for praying. And, uh, you know, in case you were wondering, God's not dead. (laughs) God's not dead and the church is alive, right? We will be a prevailing church because God's not dead. He's in the business of resurrection. And I love that about him. He resurrects, resurrects our old stuff. He resurrects and transforms us. God's not dead and the church will prevail. This church is alive. So we are going to get into the word of God this morning. Thanks so much. Josh is going to put the podium up there. Thank you so much to our worship team. And uh, 
just so thankful for today. And uh, you know, when Janie was praying and just sharing her battle and her struggle this week, uh, it just connected so much to the message that God has for us today. So we are in our second week of our series. Um, we're basing it on a book called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. And we're going to give another one of these books away today. And we're also going to have a free resource for you at the end of the service um, that's called Taking Back Your Mind. And uh, we're going to have that resource. So you'll be able to just click and just uh, there'll be a button and you'll be able to enter the draw as well. So we're going to get into the Word of God. God has incredible things. There's victory that is going to happen today. There's breakthrough uh, that's going to happen today. And so we're going to get into the word. And so I've asked my friend Ruth, uh, Ruth or Priya, I, I like to call her Priya. And uh, she's been in Canada for a month. And I met her like four days after she arrived. She came to Gateway Church. And so we just kind of adopted her. She's just such a, a beautiful uh, woman of God. And I've asked her to start out our message by sharing the scriptures that we're going we're gonna to talk about today. So go ahead. Okay. So it's Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The next verse I'm going to read is from Philippians 4, 8. And now, bro dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So beautiful. Thank you, Priya. Thank you so much. Yeah. I hope you're on the chat saying, how lovely. Hey, how lovely. Thank you, Priya, for sharing the word with us. And, and I hope you get to know her more as we will be able to come back into in-person services and see each other soon. You know, God is not dead. He is surely alive. And the church is not closed. Man, there's so much stuff happening here at, at the church. Uh, sure, we've moved some stuff to online and onto Zoom, but there's wonderful things happening. You know, on uh, Tuesday night, we're still doing our Intimacy with Christ course. Wednesday night, we've got connect groups and uh, youth group and young adults and a recovery group. Like, there's just so much going on. You can come in during the office hours during the day for contemplative prayer. We welcome you. Come on in. The church is open, and God's not dead. He is surely alive. So we're going to talk today about taking back our mind. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to get vulnerable really quick because I want us to go deep because I believe there is victory and breakthrough that's going to happen in your homes today. Wherever you are watching and participating, I believe there is victory for you today. So I want to start by being super vulnerable and I'm going to share with you something uh, that I have struggled with. For my whole life, I have struggled with insecurity. Oh, I have struggled with it so much. I have tried to, uh, tried, you know, for a long time to overcome it. And it was only through Jesus Christ that I have found victory. And I'm going to share with you more as we go through this message today, tools that you can use to overcome maybe something like an insecurity in your life. Now, when I was growing up, 
Uh, I was a part of a very large extended family, and I love my extended family, but for some reason, I always felt like I didn't fit in, like I didn't measure up, that I just wasn't good enough. For some reason, I believed these lies that I just wasn't enough. Now, for you to know, this was, this was um, something that I felt as a very young child and, and probably, you know, maybe from school and from situations, uh, but I just always felt like I didn't measure up and I was always trying to people please and just win and earn people's love and appreciation. And so... Uh, my mom and dad uh, are, were just are, are amazing parents. My dad's still here. He's such a fantastic father. And my mom has been gone for three years. And today is actually would have been her 73rd birthday. Uh, so happy birthday, mama in heaven. And uh, for some reason, <clears throat> as a child, I thought that my mom had placed all these unrealistic expectations on me. And that I just could not measure up to them. And I didn't, I, I, I don't even know where that came from, but that's what I believed. And so one time, probably uh, maybe 15 years ago, or I couldn't even remember how long ago, but it's been a long time. My mom and I were in an argument, a very heated argument. And I said to her, you know, why is it that I'm not enough for you, mom? Like, why is it that I don't measure up? And sometimes, like, I would, I would see glimmers of her love and she would like pour and shower on me love. She used to kiss us all over our face. She had this way. She would just kiss us all the way around. Didn't matter where I was as an adult. <laughs> she would kiss me out in public. She just, she lavished us with love. And so where was it that I got these ideas from? And so I said to my mom, like just so pointed, like why do I not measure up for you? And she said to me, and just like broke my heart. She's like, where did you get that idea from? You are more as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, as a mother, as a follower of Jesus than I could have ever dreamed that my daughter would become. You are more than I could have ever imagined. You see, I had gotten these wires crossed and I had believed a lie for decades, and it had impacted me so much that I would behave a certain way to get people's approval, to get their love. I would people please because I was so insecure, thinking that I was either not enough or I was too much. And I don't know if you connect at all with my story, but somewhere, somehow, we get these wires crossed in our brain and we believe a lie that impacts us for the rest of our lives. And today, Jesus is going to show us how to rewire our minds. Now, for you, it might be that you and your spouse haven't been getting along and you want to be nice to your spouse, but instead, what you end up doing is like being mean or fighting with them or creating this bigger relationship relational situation than what you really wanted. You're like, I just so want to get along with my spouse, but then I do these like stupid things over here. It's like the wires are crossed. Or maybe you're struggling with finances and you're like, no, 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 I'm going to have victory in this and I'm going to have breakthrough and I'm going to make a budget and I'm going to stick to my budget. And then 
you have a really bad day and you go shopping and you blow all the money that you had in savings, right? Like our wires get crossed sometimes or maybe you're like, I'm going to trust God and then instead you just worry and worry and worry, right? Our, it makes me wonder like why sometimes are our thoughts so irrational? Why do we behave irrationally? Well, it's because our wires get crossed, now, I'm going to share a really quick story with you. So a couple of years ago, we had renovated our back deck. And we have this beautiful um, back deck that's all covered and has like a, a nice uh, awning over it. And so we had a spare chandelier. And I know you're thinking, like, who has a spare chandelier? All right, I had a spare chandelier. Someone had given it to me. And so I had this spare chandelier. And I thought, oh, how beautiful to have this hanging, like, on the deck, like, over this covered deck that we have. And so we had somebody come and do the electrical and put in the chandelier. And I want to make a point, it wasn't Dwayne. So don't get any ideas, it wasn't Dwayne. He's a fantastic handyman and it wasn't him. But they installed this chandelier and it was just so beautiful. We would enjoy it. We'd be out there, you know, on our patio furniture and the light could be on in the evening and we could just like spend lots of time out there. Just loved it. Well, a couple of weeks went by and I went to plug something into the outlet in the kitchen and it wouldn't work. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. That's kind of, I don't understand it, but whatever. Just thought, whatever. Maybe it was just having a, a, a day off. <laughs> I didn't know. And, uh, and then a little time after that, Dwayne actually went to plug something into the outlet in the kitchen, and it sparked and actually popped at him. And then the chandelier didn't want to work. You see, the person who had done the electrical crossed the wires, right? So the chandelier didn't want to work and the outlet in the kitchen didn't want to work because somehow those wires got crossed. So why do we behave irrationally? Because our wires get crossed, right? Sometimes they just get crossed and we start to believe something that is not true. Now, over the past couple of weeks, uh, Quentin and Pastor Greg have talked about neural pathways. You see, when we have a new experience, the brain creates a neural pathway, all right? And the experiences are like the wiring and the programming in the brain. So connect that back to my chandelier outlet um, idea, right? The wiring in our brain is created by experiences, and it creates neural pathways. And it's almost like, uh, Pastor Greg said last week, it's like a green grass lawn, and then there's a pathway through it, right? Those are based on our experiences. So if we have good experiences, we have good neural pathways. Like say a baby. A baby um, will smile uh, at somebody, at a mom or a dad or somebody, and the person will smile back, right? And so a baby learns through experience, if I smile, the person looking at me is likely to smile as well. And so there's a positive neural pathway that's created. So when the baby sees people, they just know, oh, I smile and I'm going to get a good reaction. Now, if a toddler goes to touch a stove that's hot, right, they're going to learn that hurts, right? And so that experience creates a neural pathway so that that experience is like, don't do that. Don't do that, okay? 
Now, if a child wants an ice cap, and I share this experience because this was my kids growing up. Like, you could, you could have a whole lot of things and they didn't care about it, but as soon as you went through the Tim Hortons drive-thru and got an ice cap, my girls wanted that ice cap, right? And so they knew if they cried enough, if they were loud enough, they had created this neural pathway. If I cry, I'm going to get what I want. And, and they were right. I did. I, I drank as much as I could, as fast as I could, without getting a brain freeze and gave them the rest, right? So, so the thing is, the more that we think about a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again, okay? The more we think a thought, it, it, the easier it is to think that thought again, and the more dominant that thought becomes. So when we're thinking of positive, truthful, life-giving things, we're going to think about more positive, truthful, life-giving things. But here's the bad news. <laughs> when we are thinking of negative stuff, right, when we are bitter and complaining and there's negativity, then that also is going to create more negativity in our thoughts. So why do we behave so irrationally, right? Because our wires are crossed. Our wires are crossed. And remember what we learned from last week. Our mind is a battlefield. Our mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Oh, is that ever true? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, We are human... But do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You see, when the Apostle Paul said this, he was talking and saying, we, just like Janie said earlier, we don't wage a war against the world. It's not actually the world that we're waging against. It's actually in the mind and it's in the spiritual. You see, and so what we can do is we can have spiritual weapons because they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Okay? So if you're thinking, this is impossible, my wires are crossed, and I can never redo this, I can never refix it, it's, it's a lie. It's a lie. There are strongholds, but scriptural truths are what we use to defeat and to overcome those lies. So what is a stronghold? Well, it's a wrong pattern of thinking, okay? It's where our wires have gotten crossed the wrong way. And if we keep reading in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it tells us what to do. God's so amazing, isn't he? He's just not like, oh, you guys, try and figure it out yourself. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to give you the answers. And here's the answer. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, okay? We demolish it and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, I got stuck on that to make it obedient to Christ. I thought, how many times have we quoted, have we said to each other, take every captive, every thought captive. Take every thought captive. We, we've forgotten the other part of that verse. To make it obedient to Christ. To make it fall into the truth of what Jesus Christ wants us to know and believe and live out. We take Thought, our thoughts captive, and we bring them into alignment with Christ. You see, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, okay? 
your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what comes into your mind is what comes out of your life. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. You just can't. Let me say that again. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. If my mind is negative, if I am nagging and I am bitter and I am complaining and I am focusing on every news story that's doom and gloom, every person who's got something wrong with it, if that's what I'm focusing on, then I cannot have a positive life. Because what comes into the mind is what comes out of the life. Does that make sense? I hope that's making sense. You see, if we don't control what we think, we'll never be able to control what we do. We, we can't expect these two to, to coexist, that I'm going to be negative and bitter and complaining, but somehow things are going to be really great and wonderful in my life. No! If I'm negative and bitter and complaining, those are probably a reflection of the relationships and the dysfunctional relationships that I have in my life, right? I'm probably fighting with this person and don't get along with that person. And this person over here is annoying me and ah, I can't stand them, right? Because that's what's in my mind and coming out of my life. But what if we changed that? What if we shifted that and rewired our neural pathways? Oh, it is possible. We can train our minds. Train our minds. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've never thought of training your mind. Maybe you've thought of training your preschooler to um, go to the bathroom or... Train yourself to do your homework because you're a university student or you've thought of training your body. Well, it's the same with training our mind. It is something that we can accomplish. We can do. We can train our minds. Now, if we connect kind of training our body with training our mind, in the summertime, I hurt my knee really, really badly, and lots of you saw me hobbling around, and I still hobble a little bit. But here's what I did. I didn't leave it alone. I trained it. I went to physio, and I trained the knee. I strengthened the knee, right? And it's the same with our mind. We can train our mind. We can strengthen our mind. You see, and what I learned with physio is that it's what I put into it. I can go see the physiotherapist once a week or once every two weeks, and it's not going to have a lot of impact if I don't do those exercises every day. And it's the exact same with my mind. I can come to church once a week. I'm going to get a little golden nugget of truth, but that is not going to train my mind for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and for sure by the next Saturday, the training is gone, right? If we want to train our mind, it, what we put into it is what we're going to get out of it. So I want to put into it every single day so that I can train my mind to be stronger. We can train our mind with truth. If we look at Philippians 4.8, it's this incredible scripture from Paul, and I just want you to know that as Paul was writing this scripture, he was sitting in a Roman prison. He could have been like, oh, no, 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 you guys don't understand, right? Like, I'm in a prison right now, so the words that are going to come out that I'm going to write to you are going to be negative because that's the circumstance of where I'm in. But they weren't. They were not. His words were not negative. Here's what he said. He says, now and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. One final thing. 
right? He's not like, oh, okay, I'm in jail and God let me down. I'm here because God did not show up for me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, life can't get any worse. Life can't go on. Everything's so negative. COVID, COVID, COVID. No, 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 no. Well, Paul wouldn't say COVID, but I would, (laughs) right? No, no, no. Paul doesn't say any of those things. He says, fix your thoughts. I hope you're getting a love two by four right now from the Holy Spirit, because as I studied this this week, I got one. (laughs) I got one. Jesus was like, Kimmy, fix your thoughts. You can choose what comes into your mind and what comes out of your life. So we're going to, we're going to keep reading. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, right? He said, fix your thoughts. If you're joining online, I want you to type in the chat, fix your thoughts. Type in there, Jesus, fix my thoughts. Let's surrender our minds to him. Jesus, fix my thoughts. You see, we can fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And let me guess, when we're doing that, what's going to come out of our life is going to be pretty awesome. It's going to be pretty fantastic. Because if this is what I'm putting into my mind, what's going to come out is going to be just dripping with Holy Spirit goodness. You see, I love the way it says this in the New King James in Philippians 4, 8. If you read it in the New King James translation, it says, If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And you know, meditation, this word, has gotten a bad rap for a really long time because Eastern uh, religions made meditation all about, you know, sitting crisscross applesauce and, you know, your hands. I don't even know the pose. I don't even know how you do it, but the, mm, you know, that's what we think of when we think of meditation. But it's not. The definition of meditation is to, one, engage in mental exercise. Okay, so train my mind. I already know I can do that, right? And two, focus. Focus. And it actually says in Psalm 119, verse 15, I meditate, God, on your precepts and consider your ways. And it says in Psalm 143, 5, I meditate, God, on all your works and consider what your hands have done. See, meditation is a fantastic thing. In Eastern meditation, it's all about emptying your mind right? Emptying your mind. And I just think, oh Jesus, how would I ever possibly do that? Thank goodness. Thank goodness that's not what you've called us to because I can never do something like that without you, God, to empty my mind. You see, Christian meditation says, fill your mind with God's truth, right? I hope you're typing amen in the chat. Fill your mind with God's truth. Fix the mind and focus. That's Christian meditation, is to fill our mind with God's goodness, with his truth. It isn't about emptying it, it's about fixing it, right? Fix your thoughts on these things. That's meditation that we want to go after. You see, and we want to focus 
And this is something that I have practiced, and I am very distractible. We all know, like there's sparkles or there's pretty things, and and I can go off and running. But God has been teaching me and training me to focus, to be able to not empty my mind, but to fill it with his goodness and to focus. You see, training my mind to focus is a skill. It is something that every single one of us can learn. If I can learn it, Dang, you can learn it, trust me, all right? Because our minds drift, and they generally go to the lies, don't they? When our minds start to drift, we go to the negativity, the can't and the won't and the shouldn't and the not, right? You see, our our wires have been crossed, and we've been programmed to believe something that's not true. And God is calling us to fix our thoughts on what is true and good and noble, You see, if I leave it all to my own self, I'm going to drift to those insecurities, like I was sharing with you at the beginning, my own fears, my own ideas that I'm not enough, right? Or that I'm not capable, or that I've done something shameful that I could never be forgiven of. That's where my mind is going to go if I don't train it. That's where it's going to wander. And so I want to train it. I want to deprogram the lies and replace it with truth. And you might think, is this possible? I'm going to say it again and again. Yes, yes, yes. This is possible. I am a testimony to this. So I'm going to share with you um, just a few examples of how you can do this, because I want you to have practical ways to do this. I don't want to just talk about it. I want you to receive this and to have victory. So I want you to type in the chat if you're ready. I just want you to say, yes, I'm ready. All right? Yes, I'm ready. I am ready. I want to know how to have victory in my thoughts and take back my mind. So the first thing that you do is you identify what stronghold is holding you back, okay? What stronghold is holding you back? What are you struggling with? What, and, and you know what? You might be like, oh, give me a book <laughs> because I'm going to write down. And there's going to be pages and pages and pages, and that's okay. I believe God wants us to just go after one thing at a time. So just write down one thing, one stronghold that's holding you back, and let's just start to practice this. You see, we identify where the wires have been crossed, the lie that we have been believing. Because for a lot of these situations, they truly are just a lie. They're a lie from the enemy that we need to send back to the pits of hell because Jesus wants us to have victory. You know, it's a lie if you think you'll never get out of debt or that you will always struggle with your health or that you'll never have a meaningful job or that you can't overcome your addiction or that you'll never feel close to God or that you'll never get married. Those are lies and maybe yours is something other than that. But those are lies, and they are dominant thoughts and can become the stronghold in our life. So that's the first thing, is to write out what is a stronghold that's holding you back, okay? And I hope you're taking notes uh, for this. And the second part is what truth demolishes that stronghold? What truth demolishes that stronghold? Well, a scriptural truth. A scriptural truth 
is what will demolish a stronghold. Why? Because it's empowered by God. Because the word of God is alive and active and useful, right? To sort out our stuff and to take back our mind. His living word is more than enough to transform and to bring transformation in our lives. And so we don't just go to a truth, we go to a scriptural truth. That's where the power is, all right? We let God's word renew our mind, Romans 12, 2. So then what we do is we write it, think it, confess it until you believe it, okay? We write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. So we know what the stronghold is, and now we're going to write it. And so that part is where you write out a scriptural truth. I want you to find a scripture Find the scripture that connects to you. And if you're like, well, I don't know my Bible very well. Okay, if you are struggling with insecurities like I shared I was, you can Google scripture about insecurities or scripture about being secure in God, right? And there's going to be lists and lists of scriptures. And you go through and you read them and invite Holy Spirit to help you connect to a verse, help you connect to a scripture. And then you're going to take that scripture, you're going to write it out, you're going to write it, and then you're going to rewrite it in your own words, okay? Because this is like, it's taking the word, and we're now taking it the next step, is, is that we're activating it so that it will transform in our own lives. And we create a statement that connects to us emotionally, all right? So that's the write it. Then we think it. We got to read that statement and we got to think about it. We got to think about it. We got to process it. We got to invite God to um, help us believe that truth. We got to think about it. We got to meditate on it, okay? Keep reading it. Keep reading it. And then we confess it until we believe it. Confess it until we believe it. Read the scripture. Read your statement out loud. Read it to a family member. Uh, read it to the lady in the McDonald's drive-thru if you want. Read it out loud and confess it until you believe it. And it might take years. I understand. Some of these strongholds are deep right? Look at, I believed for decades that I wasn't enough until Jesus started working on my heart and rewired those neural pathways. So we write it, think it, and confess it until we believe it, all right? So I'm going to give you some examples because I really want this to take hold in your life. I really want this to have deep roots. I, I really want you to try practice this, all right? So if my stronghold is finding comfort in food, okay? And you can fill in the blank for whatever the stronghold might be, but it's finding comfort in something. So maybe it's finding comfort in social media or in some kind of addiction or maybe it's food, maybe it's video games. You fill in the blank. Okay, so I identify the stronghold. I'm saying find comfort in something. Then I'm going to overcome it with God's truth. And so I'm going to look for a scripture. And I looked up and found 2 Corinthians 1.3. Okay? Then based on that scripture, I'm going to write the scripture out. And then I'm going to write a statement that connects to me personally. And it could be something like this. Here's my example. I declare when I'm stressed, I want to turn to God and not food or not that comfort thing, whatever that is. 
I come to Jesus because he is what I need and all that I need. I find all compassion, strength, and comfort in him. God is my father of comfort. Okay, so that's just an example. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that. I'm going to read it again. And when I think, oh, I am just stressed out, or I feel lonely, or I just feel like I need, you know, to fill the comfort, then I'm not going to go do that thing. I'm going to go back. I'm going to read my scripture, and I'm going to read out my statement. I'm going to declare this over my life. I'm going to meditate on this, and I'm going to confess it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to confess it. Here's another one, another example. Battling worry, all right? So that's the stronghold. Identify it. It's battling worry. The second part is overcome it with God's truth. So one of my favorite scriptures is Zephaniah 3.17, that God uh, rejoices and sings over you, okay? So then my statement might be something like this. If I'm worrying and I'm consumed with worry, I might write something like this. My truth statement, because of Christ— I am not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling in my mind. God is my mighty warrior who dances over me with singing. All right? So that might be my statement. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate on it. When I start to worry about something, I'm coming back to that scripture. I'm going to retrain my mind. It is absolutely possible. And when you click at the end on our free resource, Take Back Your Mind, I have three other examples, completely different from these two. And then I also have a spot in there where you can practice this. I just hope that this gets roots in your life and that you can overcome uh, these things, these strongholds in your life. We write it, we think it, we confess it until we believe it. And when we do this, we're creating new neural pathways and we're renewing our mind. We can renew our mind. Now, at the beginning, remember, I had shared very vulnerably that as a child, I felt very inadequate. I just feel, felt like I didn't measure up, that I wasn't enough, or that I was too much. Every single report card said, Kimmy talks too much. Or maybe it wasn't exactly that blunt, but it was kind of like that. I do talk a lot. I can be over the top. I can be very passionate. And so because of some of those things that were said, I took those in deep and internalized them and believed that I wasn't enough. And so for so long, I was just trying to earn everybody's love. And as a pastor, that can be so dangerous because what I would do is either spend all of my time and energy and resources at the church, helping people, loving people, meeting with people, trying to fill the needs of everybody around me. And then I would feel guilty because at home, I didn't feel like I was meeting the needs of my husband and my children. And so then I'd shift and I'd be like, okay, no, 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 I'm going to just focus on my family and my husband and my kids. And then I would feel like over here, I was inadequate and that I wasn't serving the church um, and that I was letting somebody down. Now, God 
started to, probably a good decade ago, he started to rewire those narrow pathways. And it doesn't mean that I never ever struggle with insecurity, because usually what happens is that the Sunday that I'm bringing a message to you, I struggle with that thing all week long. So this whole week has been a week of insecurity, and I've been going back to what I have learned, what I've trained my mind to do so that I can actually practice this. So I, when I share this, I have lived this. And so I share this with you because I want you to have the victory that I have had. I want you to have the tools that God has, has brought into my attention so that you too can have breakthrough for these strongholds. So what I did a long time ago is I started to tell myself uh, what my identity in Christ was. I started to really study the scripture. Who am I in God, right? If I've got all these insecurities over here, what's the opposite? Well, it's my identity in Christ. And so I started to write out words like, I am chosen. I am a daughter of the king. And I declare that Jesus Christ is first in my life, and every single day I want to grow closer to him. I declared in my life that my husband is the most important person, and I would lay down my life for him. I declared that as a mom, I was going to model a life living uh, just full on in for Jesus Christ. And that as I nurtured and equipped and empowered and cheer, would cheer my kids on, that they would go farther in the kingdom of God than they ever thought possible. I declare, I love people. I do. I love people and I believe the best in other people. And I believe that Jesus Christ in me is stronger than my strongholds or than the worldly desires or the wrong things in my mind. I believe I can rewire my mind. I believe I have destiny and purpose and calling and a plan for my life that reflects God's heart. I am creative. I am artistic, I am innovative, I am driven and focused and blessed beyond measure because of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of me. I disciple people. It's not something I do, it's just who I am. I love to adopt people into my family and make one more space at the dinner table. I bring my best and then some. And I am passionate and expressive and you know what? It is beautiful. It is beautiful because it's God's passion and expression in me and through me out into the world. And so I declare these things to be true. And I believe that the world will be a different place because Jesus Christ is in me and he is greater in me than he who is in the world. You see, we write it, we think it, and we confess it until we believe it. I have so much overcome insecurity in my life because of those statements, because I have believed them. And it's not at all about a sense of pride. It is not at all. It is about believing who God says I am. And God says that that's who I am. That's me. You see, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And if I'm always thinking that I'm not enough or I'm too much for people, that's the direction of where my life is going to be. 
But if I rewire and train my mind, I am a daughter of the king. Not this, the king, the king of kings. I have an inheritance that is holy. There is righteousness that he wants to develop in me and he wants to sanctify me. Why? Because he loves me. He loves me. And I got to believe that. And when I start proclaiming those things, that's the direction of where my life is going to go. If we don't control what we think, we will never control what we do. So church, family, I love you. Let's break through these strongholds. Let's write it, think it, confess it until we believe it. So that when we're walking around here, it's not, there's no arrogance. It's a complete humbleness in Jesus Christ of who we are. It's a fear of the Lord because we know that we are, we are chosen. We are set apart, that God loves us. And so as we rub shoulders, it's like, no, 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 no. Let's rub Holy Spirit shoulders with each other. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it because God wants to renew your mind. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just share some declarations over you because I think a lot of you probably heard me saying my declarations over myself and thought, girl, she's crazy. She's crazy. How did she get to all of those? Well, I believe God wants to declare over you. He has promises that he wants you to step into. There is destiny and purpose and meaning for your life, and he wants you to step into it. And so I'm going to say these declarations over you because because I believe them because I believe him. And you could take me and torture me and I would still say, I'm gonna believe him. I believe in my Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father. I believe the Holy Spirit is my counselor. I believe I, I can talk to Jesus every single day and that he empowers me and that he will give me victory in my mind. So if you're ready, if you would like to hear the truth, I want you to type in the chat, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready. And I want you just to receive these words. Receive them. Open your mind. Open your heart. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, so that these words would sink in deep, Lord Jesus. Let them take root in our life, Lord God, as you say in Ephesians 3. Just roots that are deep down, Lord God. Let us believe your words, Lord God, because they are truth. God says to you, you are strong and mighty. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. You have the same power. That's the Holy Spirit power. The same power that raised dead, Jesus from the dead is alive in you and you are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. I want you to say, I am a weapon of righteousness. I am a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. You are not your past. I don't care what your family tells you or your neighbor 
or your boss, you are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you are. And if you don't know who that is, you better be listening to me and you better go to the word of God because he's got a whole lot of truths in there about who you are. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. He says you are set free because of his son, Jesus Christ. He did not die a death on a cross so that you would live in bondage. You are set free. You can be redeemed. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of the world. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. Yes, you do. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. Worry is not your master. Nope, worry is not your master. You trust in God. His peace guards your hearts, it guards your mind, and it guards your soul in Jesus Christ. The Lord God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Lord is your helper, and you do not need to be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to addiction. You have been rescued by the power uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And lastly, nothing can separate you from God's love. I declare this over you. Maybe you have believed a lie that it was based on behaving, on doing the right things. Nope, nothing can separate you from God's love. He first loved you. And so not death or demons or the present or the past, no power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God that he has for you in his beautiful, magnificent son, Jesus Christ. Church, most of the battles are won or lost in our mind. And the battle rages on, but Jesus Christ has won the war. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive and active, Lord God, that it is useful to transform us, to train our minds, and to renew our minds, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would renew our minds. We respond to your word today, and we ask that you would renew our minds. We ask, Lord God, that you would clearly bring into view the lie, the stronghold that we have been believing. Help us to identify it and help us to connect to a scripture so that we can overcome it, Lord God. Create with us new neural pathways, positive ones, where we come back to the truth, the scriptural truth of what your word says. Renew our minds, Lord God. Defeat the enemy in our lives, Lord Jesus. Kick him to the curb. Get him out of there. We believe that God is not dead. He is surely alive and that you are in the resurrection business. So Lord God, resurrect. Resurrect our minds, Lord Jesus. Resurrect our thoughts, Lord God. Resurrect our ideas so that we are in alignment and connected to your truth. 
Lord Jesus. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.